Exodus chapter 21, reminding ourselves that the children of Israel are there at the foot of Sinai, which was still at a plateau, it was at an elevation above the Mediterranean Sea, but they were at the foot there of Sinai. Verse 21, now these are the, the judgments. This is the Lord speaking to Moses, which thou, Moses, shall set before them, the children of Israel. So we have to be reminded often that these, these are the words of God to the people of God. It's therefore good therefore profitable to the people of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he was asked which commandment is the greatest, and he said, love the Lord your God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. He said on, on these, the law and the prophets hang. So as we read through each portion of the law, we should see those two ideas. Loving God with everything you got and love your neighbor. Today we'll be looking at verses, uh, chapter 21, verses 33 and 34. It says that if a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good and give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. This afternoon we'll be looking at the subject, cover your pit. Cover your pit. Has anybody ever stepped in a hole before? I know a man that he used to work heating and air conditioning, and he was going out to help somebody. And, and as he's walking through the yard, he stepped in a little hole that had been dug up by someone or something. And just a little bit of a stole. This, is, this isn't falling in deep his whole body. This is just a little hole that he stepped into that it shifted his pelvis, it shifted his back, and he was out of work for a good long time and retired early because somebody didn't cover their pit. They didn't fill in the dirt in their yard. Stepping into a pit, falling into a pit, it can hurt real bad. Yes, he's speaking of in this a pit or an ox or an ass and payment. In a physical sense, falling into a pit can hurt real bad, but in a spiritual sense, it can hurt real bad too. The outline of this message, there's a, again, cover your pit. There's a differentiation in verse 33. There's a dereliction of duty in verse 33. There's a development, an event constituting a new stage of a situation in verse 33. There's a denouement. What is that? A climax. You can tell I broke out of the thesaurus this week. Verse 34. And then we can also see what's desirable. So the points begin with the letter D, as you may have guessed. In verse 33, there's a differentiation. See that again. If a man shall open a pit or if a man shall dig a pit, those two things are different. So open a pit means to uncover a pit or a hole that was previously dug but covered in time. Okay? So if I if I dig a hole and then cover that hole back up and, and Lexington opens that hole back again, then it's now his it's now his hole. It's not my hole anymore, it's his. He's now responsible for it. You might remember as we went through the book of Genesis that there was some uh, that Abimelech had had filled in some wells that belonged to Abraham and Isaac. That the people had filled in wells and then uncovered them again. Digging of a pit or uncovering of a hole or a pit could be a well, could be a hole, could be a miner looking for gold. Doesn't matter. To unearth a pit or a hole previously dug but maybe not filled up again. Okay, so maybe somebody dug a hole but you finished the job. Right? Maybe I started to dig a hole out back and I said, let's go finish digging that hole. Well, Lexington, that now has become his hole because it had been uncovered. Right? If a man opened a pit, I opened it, but he continued opening it, you see. The ownership now belongs to the person who opened it or continued opening it. So if I dug a pit and covered it back up and then he opened it again, now it's his pit. It's his ownership. You see, if a man opened a pit that was not that was previously opened, then covered again, and he opened it again, it's now his pit. 
You can see this vividly, vividly, when, when considering the sin condition. Adam initially opened a pit, didn't he? And whether or not it was covered, and it was, God literally gave coverings to Adam and Eve. Every sinner, by choice and by birth, opens up a pit that another man initially dug. You see it? The original owner, the digger, had taken care to cover, maybe he had. I believe that God saved Adam and Eve. That original pit was satisfied. That hole was covered in Jesus Christ. But every single man after that continues to open up that pit of sin. The man who opens the pit here in verse 33, if you continue looking for, through verses 33 and 34, he has complete over ownership of that pit. He can't say, well, oh, Bob, you know, 20 years ago opened that pit. Bob's family should help me. He can't point back to Adam and say it's his fault. Every sinner is guilty of opening that pit of sin. We come forth out of the womb, speaking lies, reopening and aggravating. You ever had a scab that you just won't heal because you won't leave it alone? You reopen that. Every sinner opens that pit. Whatever the circumstances of good or ill intent, that original pit was open, and the man who opens it, maybe they had good intentions to dig a well, to dig a grave, to dig a, sna a snare or a trap for an animal, to do something. It doesn't matter why that pit is opened. It, you read verses 33 and 34, it doesn't list a reason. Well, if you open a pit for this reason, you're off the hook. But if you open a pit for this reason, no, it's bad. No, any pit that's left open. Is what he's talking about opening a pit. A pit that was previously dug, had perhaps been covered, and now it's opened again. And then the differentiation there is says, or if a man dig a pit, and that's a new pit, okay? A new one. Wherever the place is, if there's never been a pit dug there before, you dig it, that's that's digging a pit. Whatever the place, whatever the circumstances, whatever good, whatever evil. Again, digging a well, digging a grave, digging a snapper, uh, a snare or a trap for an animal, digging a snare or a trap for your fellow brother. You see, it's an issue of digging a hole. That's the differentiation. It doesn't matter which is which. It's, you see, it has the same outcome. It's going to have the same outcome no matter what, how that hole originated. But what's the problem here? You have the differentiation there, different circumstances of a whole. Now the dereliction. What's what's dereliction of duty? You know what dereliction of duty is? It's a shameful failure to fulfill one's obligations. Here a person had dug a hole and he didn't cover it. Read the verse again, verse 33. If a man shall open a pit or if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it. That's the dereliction of duty. Okay? The dereliction and not cover. It is the duty of every man and woman and boy or girl to love their neighbor. And in loving their neighbor, it is also the duty of every man, woman, boy or girl to cover their pit. Cover your pit. What do I mean by that? Covering the pit fulfills Exodus chapter 20, verses 12 through 17. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Well, how does it, how does it fulfill that? If I honor my father and my mother, I'm also going to honor your father and mother. Therefore, I will not let your mother or father suffer loss because something of theirs, even their own selves, or their children, or their ox, or their ass, fall into a pit that I had dug. I will look out for my neighbor. If I have dug a pit, then I will make sure you're not going to fall into it. When we were over in, in, um, in Florida... They had this streamer set up. There were low places in that yard, and they had had rain. And if somebody were to drive in those low places, it's very possible that their vehicle would have gotten stuck. So in loving their neighbors and loving their neighbors and covering their pit, they had streamer up. Don't go over there. Don't park over here. 
it's a wise thing for us to look out for one another. It really is. Sometimes in 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 religion, we can forget to do the basics of looking out for one another. Hey, look, you're going to the you're going straight to the gates of hell. Repent. That's loving your neighbor, covering a pit. Well, how can anyone cover the pit of sin? It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In not covering a pit, that is leaving us exposed. And in not covering a pit, that's an example or an illustration of sin leading others into harm or to danger. Follow the Lord. Trust Him. Do what He says. Cover your pit. Love your neighbor. Keep reading. Thou shalt not kill, not killing, whether of the man or of the livelihood of a man. What if in our text, look, if a man shall open a pit, or if he, if a man shall dig a pit, not cover, and an ox or an ass fall therein. What if that ox and ass was the one thing that that man or woman had as a tool that they could supply for themselves, that they could garden, that they could hoe, that they could pull? Maybe they had an early ta- uh, taxi service. I don't know. But what if that was that person's livelihood that just went into that pit? And now, because one did not cover their pit, they risked their life and the livelihood of their neighbor. Is that loving their neighbor? Absolutely not. Thou shalt not steal, verse 15. Not stealing is taking away by negligence something that isn't yours. To steal the life of the ox or the ass or the grandchild or whoever, the person themselves, that is a form of robbery, stealing of men, stealing of property due to dereliction of duty, properly seeing to one's obligation to cover their pit. And consider also, though not indirectly, laying claim to the thing that belongs to someone else. And verse 17, thou shalt not co- covet thy neighbor's house, nor thy neighbor covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Indirectly, what if someone dug a pit specifically to be a snare, and the ox or the ass fall in, so that they may have that thing? People do that. People do that. They'll, they'll trap or they'll, they'll, they'll do this or they'll, they'll maneuver and they'll set schemes and they'll uncover pits or they'll open pits so that they can have something that belongs to someone else. In a picture, that's exactly what King David did to Uriah. He opened a pit so that a man would be taken and that he could have his neighbor's wife. Cover your pit. How can anyone cover their pit? Well, it must be in the gospel account of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And in, in accordance to the gospel, loving God and loving neighbor and protecting their neighbor because of the gospel. Covering the pit removes stumbling blocks. You think about this. In, in the book of Romans, chapter 14, please turn over there just for a moment. Romans chapter 14. Please, child of God, hear these things. Romans chapter 14 and verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to what? What does it say? What's the word? Fall. In his brother's way. An occasion to fall. By opening a pit or uncovering Adam's original sin and adding to it, or uncovering new things, in our sinful condition, children of God, to leave a hole open and to leave sin exposed and inviting others to fall therein is indeed a dereliction of duty according to the command of God for us to love our neighbor. If I love you in Christ, I will cover my pit. I can't cover, I can't cover my pit. I can't cover any, any pit based on my own effort. It's the work of God through the Holy Spirit that does those things. But I should desire that no one be taken in sin after following me or falling into the pits of sin that I have dug. Likewise, in Leviticus chapter 19, if you turn there, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 4. 
Uh, excuse me, Leviticus 19 and verse 14. Thou shalt not curse the deaf. What? Why don't you curse the deaf? They can't hear you. What's the problem there? That is speaking against someone unawares. Okay. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. Don't put a trap. Don't put a, a hazard. Don't open a pit in front of someone who can't see. You ever try to navigate yourself down a hallway or to the bathroom or something with the lights off in the middle of the night? Has anybody ever cracked their foot or their toe on something? Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but thou but shalt fear thy God. Did you see how those two commandments are just there married together in Leviticus chapter 14? Excuse me, chapter 19 and verse 14. He says, I am the Lord. So fearing, having a holy reverence toward God and protecting your neighbor against things they can't perceive, maybe they don't have their perception to understand that a hole is a bad thing. Children, they don't know everything. Sometimes they don't understand that every dog isn't their friend. Sometimes dogs bite. Protecting your neighbor against unforeseeable calamity, unforeseeable circumstances. If you're saved and your neighbor, according to the flesh, is unsaved, well, as a saved person, you ought to love them and direct them unto Jesus Christ, conduct them unto the gospel of Jesus Christ in the fear and reverence of God. Cover those things. Cover that pit. Loving your neighbor. Fearing God. The Lord commands it. He says, I am the Lord. So as to protect others from falling, cover the pit. Be holy, for I am holy. That's what the Lord says. What a terrible responsibility it is then for those. And I would, I would invite you to turn to Romans chapter 7. Paul, in, in examining himself, he, you can remember, he says, Hey, look, I'm really bad at being good and I'm really good at being bad. Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul knew that he had in his life still pits and stumbling blocks. He desired for the glory of God and in reverence of God and to protect his brothers. To, 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 according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to put away all, all, all foolishness. James commends the same thing. Turn, if you will, please, to the book of James. Chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart, put aside all filthiness and superfluity, the excessiveness of naughtiness, wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You're saved. Act like it. Put away all fleshliness and sinfulness. The book of James will kick you in the knee if you read it in its entirety. But he's saying to them exactly what is being said in our text in Exodus chapter 21. By the graces and mercies of God, loving God and loving your neighbor, cover your pit. Cover your pit. In the development here in verse 33, a man has an open pit. Or he, has, he digs a pit and he doesn't cover it. Something falls in. You know, sometimes we think we can cover it. We can open a pit, scratch a little bit. And sometimes we think we can dig a new pit. And you know what? Nothing's going to happen. It'll be okay. Nobody's going to get hurt. And nobody will fall in. That's wishful thinking, but it, it's not true. Something always falls in that pit. Sometimes the neighbor falls into the pit. We, we learned about Jeroboam this morning, how many people fell into his pit. Yeah. There's a bunch of people fell into Jeroboam's. There's people that are still falling into Jeroboam's pit. Yeah. Sometimes the neighbor's responsibility falls into the pit. In this case right here, it's the, the ox or the ass, and it could go for the zebra or the monkey or the giraffe or whatever. Sometimes... 
what falls in that pit? Maybe a child or a grandchild, something, something dear. Sometimes the neighbor's livelihood, his increase, his possessions fall into the pit. That's what the ox and the ass represent is industry. Sometimes when people dig a pit, they stand up to admire it, maybe arch their back a little bit and glory in their pit, and they fall over backwards into their own pit, don't they? You ever dug a pit before and then suffered damage or loss from it? It's called chastisement. Many times the law of unattended consequences come from a dereliction of duty. You know, people dig a pit. Maybe this person opening this pit or digging a pit had no malice at all whatsoever. And just through just through just pure dereliction, they go off and they finish their sandwich or write a song. They might have gone over here to pray. It doesn't say what they were doing. What they were not doing is loving their neighbor. You know, we don't understand in the in the grand scheme of things, we don't understand. In the grand scheme of things, when Abram opened a pit of going into Hagar, he never would have dreamed that his ancestors, excuse me, that his progeny on both sides, Isaac and Ishmael, he never would have dreamed they'd be fighting today, would he? Some thousands of years later. Do you do you think he understood what was about to fall into that pit that day? I don't. Unattended consequences. It's a lot more than a pit, isn't it? Do you think Adam and Eve had any idea the number of souls that would be impacted by them uncovering a pit or digging a pit? I don't believe so. And then unattended consequences. He Maybe this person opening the pit or digging the pit didn't intend for the ox or the ass to fall therein, but intention really has nothing to do with it. You know, the Lord knows my heart. He knows my intentions. That has nothing to do with it. There's a practicality in this law. How do we be loving God and loving your neighbor? How do we in a practical sense behave ourselves? Do we watch out for one another? Do we take care of one another? Do we, do we look for the good? Do we look to make good unto others? Or do we rather through negligence set them up for failure and fall? You know, you leave a door unlocked. What are what? I, I I don't dig a lot of holes, and you don't either. Leave the door unlocked, and a thief breaks in. Right? Leave it. Leave a pit uncovered. Lex, Carissa, you turn your back on your sister for just a little while out here, leaving a pit uncovered, and she may go missing. You think of how quickly something can happen. How quickly. I know a man that he was watching his grandchild and, and he was working on something, turn around, there he was, working on something, turn around, there he was, working on something, turn around, he wasn't there. Within moments, he was gone. Where is he? And it was a cold time of year. Where is he? Well, he had a underground pool over here that was covered. Well, his grandchild in moments had climbed underneath that covering and, and was in. Well, he was rescued. The child lived. You see how quickly a uncovered pit or even a covered pit can turn into a great tragedy to someone love your neighbor love your neighbor taking your eyes off the road just for a moment blowing through a stop sign could be an extended example of opening a pit negligence negligence and then things happen do you see how negligence and dereliction can have terrible outcomes for other people well no i was trying to do good i was trying to dig a well i was trying to do good Yet something fell in. Denouement, it's a French word. I'll spell it for you. D-E-N-O-U-E-M-E-N-T. I'll spell it again. D-E-N-O-U-E-M-E-N-T. It means the climax or a chain of a, of a, a climax of a chain of events. Verse 34. So somebody dug, uh, opened a pit. Somebody dug a pit that was new. They didn't cover it up. That's the dereliction. There was a differentiation, the dereliction, a development, something falls in. Verse 34 of the denouement, the climax. What happens? The owner of the pit shall make it good and give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. Make it good. That means to make peace or compensation, to pay it, to make a payment. 
Now, whatever would have been, whatever that would have been, would have been commensurate or would have been a, of corresponding size, degree, or value of the thing fallen in, injured or dead. Okay? So, whatever degree of, he said it'll make it good. You know, I don't, I don't drive things that are new, and, 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 and a lot of the things that I drive need, need, need some work on them. So compare that to someone having a brand new vehicle. Well, if someone totals it, it takes a lot less money to make it good for me than it might somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? To make it good. But whatever was owed is owed. Make it good. If you can't make it good, don't dig a pit and leave it uncovered. Plain and simple. We have uh, insurance on this property. In the event somebody comes over here and tries to tries to skateboard on the porch or something and they fall and break their hip and want to sue us, then we have insurance to cover that. We, we can, even things that we haven't evaluated, we can make it good through our insurance policy to a certain degree. But if you look back at the spiritual aspect of this, no one can make it good. No one, for sin, the pit of sin, no one can make it good. I can't make it good. You can't make it good. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 1. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord. A false attempt of making it good is abomination or disgusting. That's the word it means, disgusting to the Lord. So while someone might have dug a pit or opened a pit and an ox or an ass fall in, and whatever that amount was back in those days, I don't know, I'm not going to guess. But whatever that value was, that man could have held it. Well, what's the value on your neighbor? We'll say it this way. How replaceable is your neighbor? Well, if you ask me how replaceable is my wife, I would say she's irreplaceable. If you ask me how replaceable and what is the weight what would it take to make it good if someone opened a pit and one of my children fell in there is no amount of money that could make that good how does one make it good for their soul there is no amount of money the lord jesus christ said if you gain the whole world and lose your soul or what would a man give in exchange for his soul there is no amount of anything that can make it good for that pit of sin. Ah, but a just weight is his delight. Jesus Christ himself made it good. He alone. Now look, I, I dug the pit. Jesus Christ, in that substitution, he took upon himself the ownership of my pit. Verse 34, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He took upon himself the ownership of my pit. And he before God made it good according to his gospel. Isn't that great? Because there is no possible way I could have made it good based on my dereliction of duty and my dereliction to fulfill my obligations before God. I could not have made it good, but Jesus Christ the righteous did. It says he shall make it good. Thank God. Thank God that Jesus Christ, that, that just weight is his delight. Thank God. For he shall make him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That is a just weight. That, that is Jesus Christ making my sinful condition good before God. It was my sin. It was my pit. It was my error. It was my negligence. It was my fault. And Jesus Christ took ownership of that, and he indeed made it good. That's what salvation is. Declaring his people before the Father, these are mine. These are mine. 1 John chapter 2. 
is exactly that. First John chapter 2, my little children, these things I write unto you, in verse 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Don't dig a pit. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That word advocate means defense. Think about it in a court of law, defense attorney. I have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. He has made my case good. He has set things at right before the Father. And He is the propitiation or covering, the mercy seat for our sins. That pit that I arrogantly dug and arrogantly and, and just terribly left open, the pit of sin, the pit of loss, the pit of hating God and the pit of hating my neighbor. Jesus Christ, again, made himself owner of my pit and made it good with God. He says here that give money unto the owner of them. That's a compensation to restore the loss. How can anyone restore the loss before God? Turn over to the book of Nahum. Book of Nahum. Brother White, Brother Boyer, 923. Page 923. Name chapter 1, verse 6, speaking of the divine warrior. Who can stand before his indignation, and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. I'd say that's a pit. Verse 2, God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth, and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow or patient to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. For the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and in the clouds of the dust of his feet. Boy, that's a pit. Verse 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, a defense, a mighty tower is he, and he knoweth them that trust in him. I could never restore the loss before the mighty, angry God, but Jesus Christ could. Amen. How? With what currency of compensation? His precious blood Amen. that he shed at Calvary, that was shed at Calvary. We're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That compensation of an ox. What would have, you know, it would have carried out work. The ass, the same. If a sheep, consider the wool. If a goat, consider the milk. But what compensation does it take for a soul? Again, only, only Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. Re Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, Amen. and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Oh, what compensation it took, child of God. Your pit was dug and you did it. The fault was yours. The blame was yours. It was mine. Christ, taking ownership, he compensated with his blood and washed me from all sin. You break it. You bought it. Again, verse 34. The dead beast and the dead beast shall be his. So you think, of, think if you through negligence you told another person's car, you just bought their car. 
when I was a kid, we went to this flea market and there was a sign on this table that says you touch it, you bought it. And there was a pair of really cool, I thought, fold up sunglasses. It had a little zipper pouch and everything. And I couldn't read, but I picked that thing up. And I remember the, the smile that that woman working the, the table gave my mom. You, you touch it, you bought it. This person that dug a hole, now they're strapped to a dead thing. In digging my own hole, yes, the, the I opened a pit that Adam originally dug, but I opened it intentionally. And I you could even say I dug new pits on top of it and around it. That's right. And everything, everything was crashing in, everything coming down, everything. The dead beast shall be his. And even to this day, even as a saved person, I carry, still carry around this old rotten flesh. Murderers used to be strapped with the body of those that they murdered in time gone by to be a reminder that they were indeed a murderer. And you know what? As that body decomposed, it started impacting the, body, the, the live person. If a pit... If having a pit uncovered, another suffers loss, then I am responsible for that. You might suffer the loss, but I'm responsible for it. But in this, where the, the dead shall be his, that's, you see that ownership there. So Christ being now the new owner, what did he have to do to make it good? And to pay the ransom for my carelessness and my sinfulness, he had to die, didn't he? He was associated. The Son of God, you cannot speak of the gospel of the Son of God without associating him to his death. He didn't die for himself. He died for me. He, he died in fulfilling the commandments of God, but... And he also, in addition to that, he died my, a death that belonged to me. I deserve to die. He died instead. God spared none of his own son. He delivered him up to death. You see, the burden of the dead animal was now on the hands. The burden of the dead animal was now in the hands of that one who was responsible. The burden of my dead and dying body was brought then to my responsibility. Thank God Jesus Christ took ownership of my ruined case. The owner of that pit. Who's the owner of this pit? Who took responsibility? I should have. Christ did instead. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might, have, that we might live through Him. Hearing His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. What's another word for propitiation? Covering for our sins. Loving God, loving neighbor. Christ became neighbor to sinful man. In my pit, I walked away, I left it uncovered. Christ himself covered my sinful pit, me. You see that? See how wonderful this is? Christ himself. And this dead beast, rather than dying and being cast alive in the lake of fire, this beast, me, look at me, this dead beast now belongs to him. And because he died and rose again, I'll ever live with him. Amen. The owner of my case ever lives to make intercession for me. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He ever liveth. He is the everlasting propitiation, covering mercy seat of God. Thank God. You see the climax of the chain, the climax of the chain of events? If, if carried out through here, there was a man who was... He was a derelict in his duty and something got hurt and there was great sore and there was great payment and it was awful and there was death. 
Thank God of the intervention of Jesus Christ that brings life. Thank God. What would be the desirable outcome from this covering your pit? Well, the desirable outcome, what God says is the desirable outcome. What did God say in the very beginning? Adam, here's your garden. Here's your wife. Tend the garden. Don't eat that. Trust the Lord. Do what he says. That's the desirable outcome. Jesus Christ, again, summarizing the law, he says, love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. We read that again in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 14, just a few minutes ago. The fear of the Lord causes us to love our neighbor. The reverence toward God would cause us to love our neighbor. What's the desirable outcome, children of God? Cover your pit. Trust the Lord. Do what he says. Love him with everything you got and love your neighbor. Cover your pit. Now, a sinful person cannot cover their pit. They can't do it. They can try. How does a saved person cover their pit? The Spirit of God working through us unto righteousness frees us or delivers us from the workings of sin. That's what Paul told the Romans in chapter 6. Don't you know who you obey? That's who you obey. Right? What's What's the desirable outcome? That one... The one in this passage, the desirable outcome would be that one would keep their money. They wouldn't be responsible for another man's ruined property, and they, they wouldn't be scrambling trying to make peace or compensation, that they could just keep on living. What's the desirable outcome? Well, how do they satisfy this aspect of the law? By loving their neighbor and reverencing God. When I say cover your pit, I don't mean... Okay, so... When he he says he's not covered his pit, he's not talking about hiding his pit. People like to cover their sin or hide it and put it in a secret place. Cover it means make it a pit no more. Children of God, make your pits covered. Desire to walk in light as he is light. In him there's no darkness at all. We studied that in 1 John chapter 1. In him there's no darkness at all. If you say you have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, you're a liar. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess that we indeed have dug a pit, he's faithful to cover our pit and to cleanse us and to free us from all things in Jesus Christ. A lot of people try to cover their pit, but by man's means through religion and whatever. The way, only way this pit in a spiritual sense can be covered is if Christ become the new, uh, under, th- that the pit become under new management and it truly be covered. Child of God, make, your, make sure your pits are covered. Do not be a pit of offense to one another. Do not be a pit of offense to one another. Do not be an uncovered pit for your neighbors that the things that they have responsibility over would fall in. I would ask you, I've got young children. I really do. Don't present things to them that could be a pit. They're still growing. They're still developing. They're still trying to understand. I implore you, do not dig a pit and walk away from it and then leave it so my kids could fall in. But we ought to treat everybody that way, right? Not just my kids, but you also and me. Husbands, wives, possessions, everything. Even if you see that there is no threat in sight. Oh, I've got I've got this pit over here. Nobody's gonna fall in this pit. This pit is not hurting a single person. I don't need to put up a flag. I don't need to put up a cone. I don't need to put a. I don't need to fill it in with dirt. I don't need there to be a warning. It, it's not going to hurt a single person. Again, the law of unintended consequences. Maybe you're the one that falls in the pit. You just never know who or what can fall in these pits, and these pits. They're dangerous. You just never know what it'll cost you. In this, in the text here, it could have cost you 
to make it good, the money of an ox or an ass, that's what it mentions. And then you have that dead beast, it could be yours. You never know what it will cost you to dig a pit and leave it uncovered. Those pits. There is only one covering of pit uh, of the pit. Now, they, in a physical, practical sense, you see how loving the neighbor, if you're digging a pit, you're digging a well, well, put up the well, put up the thing that goes around it, put up some kind of guard against it, a rail, something. In a physical, literal sense, do that. He's not condemning people here in the text of digging holes. He's condemning them in their negligence to hurt one another. But that is an image of sin. It really is. And all love toward God and love toward our neighbors. Be diligent in covering your pit. Do you see how covering your pit is a picture of loving your neighbor? It's a picture. It's an extension of loving your neighbor. Do you, do you see that? Do you see that? Love your neighbor. Apply it. Examine your life and see if there's any open pits, any, anything that if someone were to come near it, they may fall in and it would do them harm. Examine. And maybe it's not an ox, maybe it's not an ass, maybe it's a grandchild or a neighbor or whatever, a dog, whatever. Examine. Love God and love your neighbor. And again, sinner, you've dug your own pit. Yes, the original pit was... Uh, was dug by Adam and you opened it and you dug a new one and it doesn't matter that Adam dug the first pit because you dug it more and you left it uncovered and right now your your pit is very much uncovered and you're responsible for your uncovered pit and you have fallen in you have fall it, it is your own pitfall your sinful condition you digging your pit is your own pitfall <laughs> And you can't make it good. You can't. The price of your soul was far too great that you could ever make it good. Some people try to turn over a new leaf, you know, some kind of reformation or whatever. The price is too valuable. You cannot make it good. You can't. Matthew chapter 5. Look over there just for a moment. Matthew chapter 5. I, I love the language. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, the Lord Jesus Christ, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, look at the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount. Look at the very first thing that he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that word poor? It doesn't just mean they're struggling. They're barely getting by. That word means destitute. They ain't got nothing. Nothing. You're in a pit and you got nothing to pay and you can't make it good. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What? Sinner, see yourself in that pit. See yourself as you can't make it good. You don't have the means to do it. The poor in spirit. What happens? Look, at the, there's a natural progression there in Matthew chapter 5. The poor in spirit. What are they doing? Verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn. They grieve over their destituteness. They grieve over their poverty in spirit. For they shall be comforted. How so in the gospel? Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. You see there the progression of someone being saved. See yourself in that, that destitution place in the pit grieve over that in all meekness seek the Lord hunger and thirst after his righteousness and you shall be filled those are promises from God you can't make it good but Jesus Christ can you can't you can't give payment to satisfy and bring peace before God. But Jesus Christ can. In his gospel. Only Christ can make it good. And that with the payment of his blood through his gospel. He came to save his people from their sins. Those in the own, their own pit of sinfulness. 
He came to save them and to cover them and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness with his blood to make it right. People claim that they can make themselves right with God. No, you can't. People in this pit, you know what they keep doing? They keep digging. That's what religion is. Trying to get out of the pit, they keep digging their own pit. Deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper, on and on. Well, that'll never make it right. You can't keep going the wrong direction and finally start going the right direction. You're going the wrong direction. Well, what's somebody got to do? Repent. Only Jesus Christ can make things good through his gospel, through his death, burial, and resurrection, through his substitution, through his taking on the sinful case of his people. God the Father saw Jesus Christ and he saw him as if he was me and he judged him accordingly. The wrath of God was upon him. You remain in your pit by choice. It's not God's fault, not my fault, nobody's fault. It's your pit. You dug it. You left it uncovered. It's your fault. You're in your pit. Do you see yourself there? Do you see Jesus Christ as the only form of rescue? He was made like unto his brethren. Boy, that's a neighbor. Can you imagine God Almighty? God in the flesh being neighbor to his sinful enemies. Isn't that wonderful that he became neighbor? He became like unto his brethren, it says in Hebrews chapter 2. Like unto his brethren, the seed of Abraham. Sinner, I encourage you to see yourself in such a case and in desperation by the power of God. By the power of God, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is but one rescue of you out of your pit. That is Jesus Christ, the Lord. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.